In this episode of Mailbag Monday for March the 6th, 2023, I will answer questions about players who need a big NCAA tournament to improve their draft stock. I'll talk about Arkansas's Anthony Black and Nick Smith. And of course, it's the hot topic of the weekend. I'm going to answer a question about Ja Morant and how his situation may impact prospects in the future. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. This episode is coming out on a Monday afternoon, but it is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com slash Locked On. I am Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. Hope everyone had a great weekend. It is March. March Madness is around the corner. Coming up this week, we have conference tournaments. It is a great time to be a basketball fan. The NBA playoffs are also coming up soon. I think this year's playoffs is going to be it's going to be exciting. I mean, the the power of the the Western Conference has changed with Kyrie and Kevin Durant both coming out to the West. I was at the Mavericks and Suns game yesterday, and that was that was a I mean it was a great game. Came down to the last play. I'm looking forward to what is in store for the next few months as a basketball fan. We have the NCAA tournament playoffs, then we have the combine. Also, I mean there's the McDonald's All American game. So much going on in the next few weeks and months. So I'm excited about it. But let's 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 just talk about the questions that have been in my inbox over the past few days. I'm getting a ton of mailbag questions. I narrowed it narrowed it down to ten questions today. So maybe I may be able to get an eleven, but we'll see. All right, let's let's get right to it. The first question is, what prospect? What prospect? needs a big march to save or maintain their draft stock. The first thing that comes to mind or the first name that comes to mind is Nick Smith. Now, Nick Smith is probably going to be a lottery pick either way. But I think there's a chance that if he plays well, he could creep into the top five discussion. Now, he has shown some flashes of of why he was so highly, highly regarded coming into the season. If you're haven't been paying attention. He um, missed some time with what they would call right knee management. So he hasn't been healthy. I don't know how many games he's played officially, but Arkansas has lost three games in a row. They're two and five in SEC when he, when he plays. And I'm not saying that to put their losses on Smith. I mean, Arkansas is a team that is extremely talented, but they lack floor spacing. But I do think that a strong NCAA tournament could push him into the top five. Right now, he's averaging 14 points, two rebounds, two assists, shooting 39% from the floor, 34% from three, 78% from the foul line. The numbers are a little bit deceiving because he's had games where he's only played four minutes and he's been rusty. He hasn't been healthy. So I think that if he can play like he's played in his last three or four games, which he's topped. 24 or more in three of his last four games. 
I think that could be very beneficial for his draft for his draft stock. Um, again, this is a guy that's been dealing with injuries. He's probably not in in the best rhythm. Rhythm. I hate saying that word. He's probably not in the best rhythm right now. But I think that he's played really well for a guy that has been in and out of the lineup. But with a little consistency, if he's putting up 24, 25 a game, then I think that that could really help him out. The question is, is Arkansas actually going to make it to the NCAA tournament? Like their record isn't great. I think they're like eighth in the SEC or something like that. So their record isn't great. There's a chance that they could miss the tournament. While I think that they should be in because they've had some quality wins, but... I think Nick Smith is someone, again, that could really, really benefit from a strong NCAA tournament. The next player that comes to mind is Arthur Kaluma from Creighton. I've talked about him numerous times. I thought he was a top 15 player coming into the season. I thought it was between him and Trocravion Smith as the top sophomore in, in college basketball. And Kaluma had 24 points, 12 rebounds, and a loss to Kansas in last year's NCAA tournament. I thought he had all the momentum to to be a highly. Um, I thought he had all the momentum to be at least a a mid to first round pick, late late lottery best case scenario. But I thought he was a first round pick, and right now, to be honest with you, even though he has made some gradual improvements, right now I don't even know if he is a one hundred percent lock to be drafted, which is which is really really crazy to say. I think that if Creighton has a, a deep run and he can put up 20 points and 10 rebounds or knock down open shots, and I think he can possibly regain some of the the draft stock that he had coming into the season. But those are the two guys that come to mind. I know there's plenty more, but just those names pop out first to me and come to mind. Usually when I answer these questions, I try to do a little bit of research once I look at them, but I try to answer them as if, you know, it's, it's a live call-in show. And again, like I said, those are the two names that come to mind. Next question is, all right, this is the question that is, um, you know, a little bit difficult to answer. All right. Does Ja Morant's situation impact how teams will evaluate players? And how will Brandon Miller's stock be affected by Ja Morant? So this is like the second time in the last three weeks that... I've had to discuss a prospect or player in NBA NBA draft circles regarding guns. And I've mentioned I'm not a gun guy. I don't own a gun. I never shot a gun. I've lived in different countries where people don't have guns. And I remember once I was in a cab in Greece and someone mentioned to me, what is it like to live in a country where everyone has a gun, not literally, but you know, everyone has a gun and someone can take what you worked hard for in a matter of seconds. Do you feel safe? And growing up here in the United States, you know, it's just common. Like people have guns. Like it's like the wild, wild west. You can take a woman on a date to the gun range and she may have a good time. And there's so many states that have laws where you can carry. And then there's amendments supporting having guns. So we have a gun problem because I mean, guns are so accessible and and a lot of people are fascinated by guns. <laughs> and so with all that being said, this John Morant situation is is really crazy to me. But the signs have been there. I mean, I've had different people I know tell me like, hey, man, 
John Morant, he's doing this or he's doing that or, you know, he's been in different cities and, and, and at clubs that aren't that don't attract, I guess the best word to say is the safest crowd. So I'm not shocked or surprised one bit. Like I said, the signs have been there. There's been a lot of smoke. Sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. One thing I don't like, and this is probably going to get me in a little bit of hot water here. I just don't like these public relations crafted messages when guys get in trouble. Just own up to it. Like 100% don't say it's, you know, like it's stress or it's mental health. Just be like, you know what? I did this. I was being foolish. And that's it. Don't blame anything for your actions. Sometimes you can just do dumb stuff just because you're doing dumb stuff or because you've been enabled and you think you are above the law in a sense. And and, and John, I don't know John. I've never met him. In this situation, I just think he was just doing dumb stuff. I think that people have been enabling him. Again, the signs have been there. There's been multiple cases or, or discussions about him regarding guns and the people around him. And I think people have probably tried to tell him, but nobody has been firm. And when you are a a great athlete and you can jump 40 inches off the ground, you got a lot of people around you that are that are yes men. And you have people that will try to, you know, steer you in the right direction. But sometimes you just feel like you are above the law. And I just think that is the case and how it impacts the draft or, or how prospects are evaluated? You know, that's a good question. I don't know because I think the NBA does a really, really good job of intel and finding out guys' backgrounds. I know I had a situation where I was um, friends with a guy and, I mean, we were, we were just, you know, good friends. Never re- really, I mean, not involved in any trouble, any craziness at all. I was at Summer League. A guy came up to me and he pretty much knew, like, you know, like the videos that, that I had created for him, which is, you know, is public information. But basically, before they signed this player, they did all their research. They wanted to know who was hanging around him just in case I end up moving to the city where he was playing at. They wanted to know, like, who's going to be in, like, the family room, who's going to be around the facility. I mean, you got to figure there's so much money involved that it's only in the team's best interest to do the research. So, I think the NBA does a good job as far as intel. But one of the things you can't predict is how a player changes with millions of dollars in the bank in power. The better you play, the more power you have, the more money you have, the more yes men that you'll you have around you. And if you're not mature enough to handle it, then you can make some bad decisions. And I, I tell people this all the time, and I'm kind of going on a little a little rant here, but I tell people this all the time. When people criticize young players, my question is, how would you have handled getting paid $150,000, $200,000 a month every 1st and 15th when you are 19 or 21 years old? And to my friends, and I, I tell them, like, hey, I remember how you were when, when you had no money in your pocket, how wild you were. So imagine having money and power. And that's why I think when you – Look at some of these NBA players. Not only do they have to have like the the natural gifts, the physical talent, and the skill set, you have to be extremely, extremely mature to be able to handle everything that comes with being an NBA player. And even if you're like a player that is a rookie and you're not playing, you're like the 
13th or 14th man on your team's rotation. You're not getting minutes. You have a bunch of free time. Free time, money, and you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. So the guys that end up in you know making a living as rotation players or starters after not having success early in their career, that takes a strong level of maturity also because a lot of people have never not been a star before, and when they're not a star for the first time, they don't know how to handle it, and sometimes they can get themselves in a little bit of trouble. So that is a very, very long-winded answer and rant, but I've been around NBA players for the past few years. I've, I mean, I've so many stories I've, that I've heard, so many guys that you may wonder, like, what happened to them? And sometimes you just they just fade away because they couldn't handle um, being an NBA player at such a young age. Their lack of maturity cost them hundreds of millions of dollars, and I've, I've seen it happen. But sometimes it's, it's sometimes guys are just immature and young, and I think that's the situation with John Morant. He's young, he's immature, no excuses for him, no excuses at all. And I just think that the people around him have enabled him. And I even think, like, the team has too because they've known all of this stuff, and even though there hasn't been any arrest or anything like that, I think that maybe sitting him down, I, I don't know how, how they could have handled it. Cause even if you bench him, it becomes a story, but I think enough was enough and, and we'll see what, what happens after uh, this indefinite suspension is over. All right. So that was a very, very long winded answer. When we return, I'll talk about more questions that are NBA draft related, but let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is, Daily fantasy made easy. All you do is pick two to six players, and if they would go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, PGA, college basketball for men's and women's, European basketball, cricket, and more. The entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. There are safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in 30 states and Canada. So just download the Price Pick app, go to pricepicks.com, and sign up to play daily fantasy sports. If you're a first time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But that's if you use the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on. At sign up for an instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars. All right, second segment. It's Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board, and I gave the longest winded answer in the history of NBA Big Board. All right, let's get right back to the draft stuff. All right, question number three, and this is a, a question that I I kind of wrote about a little bit. I didn't go in full detail in, in my latest article on NBABigBoard.com. If you're not subscribed, check it out. But the question was, what is the difference between City Sissoko and Anthony Black? And when I first heard the question, I thought, yeah, I mean, they're very similar as far as being jumbo playmakers, the size, the passing, the defensive versatility. I mentioned that I thought that Anthony Black did a better job of getting downhill. And I've been watching City for, for the past few years from when he played in second division Spain to when he played for the French national team and in the G League. My biggest knock on him was that he settled for too many jump shots off the dribble I did not think that he played with this aggressive and assertiveness of like getting downhill and when I watched the film recently 
he's a totally different person. So the, the it was a player from the G League that asked me this question and totally different person. I mean, he had some monster games, like 22 points, 23, 24, 20 points in his last five games. And what's crazy is he looks like a totally different person. He is not settling for contested jumpers. He's attacking the rim. He's dunking with authority. I mean, he's getting a rebound, finishing coast to coast. I mean, he is like something clicked. Something clicked. He's definitely a lot more aggressive than I've seen him in years past. And he is second among out of wings in the G League in dunks. And that is not a, that is not something that I would have I would have expected from City Sissoko. The difference between him and Anthony Black is I think they well the similarities I mentioned. I think they both struggle a little bit with shooting. Um, but now that I think about it, there's really not that big of a difference. While Black is considered a lottery pick. And Sissoko was considered a first round pick, late first round. So it really made me think. And right now, City is one of the highest risers on my on my mock that's coming out soon. All right, the next question. I guess it's a little similar, but it's the opposite. What prospect is sliding down your draft board? Two come to mind. They're two wings. One is Jet Howard. And I know he's not healthy right now, so it's kind of wrong to have him slide while he's not healthy and the other was Maxwell Lewis and Maxwell got off to like a sizzling start but he's he's slipping a little bit the numbers are falling his team isn't winning I'm still high on him I don't think that he is going to be a lottery pick like I thought the numbers are down to I mean they're, they're not bad but 17 points 47 percent from the floor 34 percent or about 35 percent from three at one point before we got into conference play, the numbers were like 44% from three, 50%. I mean, he was lighting it up. Still rebounding out about six per game, averaging about three assists per game. Defensively, he is still a major work in progress. But since the start of February, I mean, he's been inconsistent. Like before February 1st, he only had three games under double figures. Since February 1st, he's had three games under double figures. So he's had a five-point game, an eight-point game, a four-point game against Loyola Marymount. And he just had some weird games against BYU, only took five shots. Against San Francisco, only took nine shots. The The field goal percentage is declining. I mean, against Loyola Marymount, he was one for nine. Santa Clara, a big, big matchup against a guy that I'm going to talk about later. NBA scouts all in attendance was four for twelve from the floor, only fourteen points. So his stock is is starting to to fall a little bit to me. Um, still think he's a first round pick, but we'll see. And then as far as Jet Howard, I like the size, I like the shooting, but he's a guy that if he's not making shots, the question is what is he doing to provide value? Yes, if he's not making shots then he's still a good enough shooter to where you can't leave him open. So he does create some gravity for his teammates, but he doesn't rebound. He doesn't defend. And I just think he's missing like this, this toughness, this, this dog mentality that I like, especially when you see a guy with that frame and that size, I would think that he'd be a little bit more assertive and aggressive. So he's sliding to me. All right. The next question is, Let's talk about Brandon Pajemski. 
Is he the next Jalen Williams? Brandon Pajemski is someone that I've talked about the last few episodes. 69 minutes last year at Illinois, transfers to Santa Clara, has this breakout year where he's averaging like 19 points, eight rebounds per game. He's shooting efficiently from the floor. He has been one of the the biggest surprises in, in college basketball this year. And maybe the biggest. That's probably the best way to, to break it down. But let's look at the stats. 19.9 points per game, 48% from the floor, 43% from deep on about six attempts, 77% from the foul line, 8.8 rebounds, 3.5 assists, two steals. I mean, he is filling up the stat sheet. If you just look at the numbers on paper, there really isn't many weaknesses. I mean, he is doing, I mean, from assist percentage to usage, a good assist to turnover ratio. His true shooting is good. Field goal percentage is good. doesn't foul. His box plus minus is good. His offensive win share. I mean, he has been good across the board. Now, can he get up to the lottery range? I think that is a little bit of a reach. But one thing that he can do that Jalen Williams did was participate at the combine. With most guys not participating, Williams ended up making a real name for himself, ended up being a lottery pick. He's going to be first-team all-rookie. And if Pajemski decides to participate at the combine while other guys don't, I think that can leave a really, really good impression amongst, amongst, I hate saying that word, a good impression with NBA scouts. All right. When we return, I try to round out these last few questions, but let's talk about Built Bar because if you are looking to eat healthy, but you want something that tastes good and you don't want to compromise taste, then you got to try Built Bar because with Built Bar, it's healthy and it's actually tasty and they are made with 100% real chocolate, or should I say covered with 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. Not sure how they do it, but they found out a way to mix in good taste while keeping keeping it healthy. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you can now get Built Bars at Walmart or Sam's Club. If you go to Walmart, just go to, to the pharmacy section and you can grab yourself a four box, a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. If you go to Sam's Club, you can get a 13 bar box or you can just continue to order at built.com. All right, last segment, last segment. And I've only been able to get to five questions. So I got to answer about five or six questions in this last segment. All right, here's a question that it's, it's funny. It's not really, not really draft related, more so a personal question in a sense. And someone asked me, what is the the biggest difference between this year and last year when you took over for Chad Ford? And <laughs> the biggest difference, uh, there's a couple of things, but the biggest difference that comes to mind is that there's a lot of there's a lot more people that are trying to sell me on prospects. And it can be kind of it can be kind of rough at times because there's so many parents and aunts and uncles and trainers and handlers and coaches that want to see their guy, their player who they have a, a vested interest in. They want to see him succeed. But it's getting to the point now where they're trashing the kid's coach. They're trashing his teammates. 
they're trying to put everything in the context why this guy isn't playing well. And at first I used to respond, but now I, I just don't even respond because, I mean, people will send me clips of this is the point guard missing his pass. This guy doesn't do this. This guy doesn't do this. Complaining about the coach's offense. And I'm like, in college basketball, the player, for the most part, picks the coach, he picks the school, and he picks his teammates. Yes, the coach may change midway through, you know, the guy's career or, you know, a player that he thought he was going to play with transferred or, or went to the league or so on. But at the end of the day, it's so many parents that are just literally destroying their teammates. And that's why I feel sorry for some of these coaches because I know the chemistry in the locker room has to be bad because players have so many guys in their ear telling them that they are NBA players and thinking that someone is holding them back from being an NBA player. So that has been the toughest part. Every Saturday afternoon, I'm just getting all types of messages in my inbox and my phone complaining. So that's probably been the, the biggest difference and the hardest part. All right. Can a Dembona crack the first round? You know, if you would have asked me this question about two or three weeks ago, I would have said, I don't think so. But there is a chance. Now, I've, I'm on the record of saying I'm not as high on Bona. I feel like he hasn't progressed offensively like I thought he should. I, I remember watching him when he was about 14 or 15 years old when I lived in Turkey. I watched him at the under-18s a few years back, and he was a little bit younger than the rest of the guys in that group. And he plays the same way. It's still raw energy, athleticism. I do think that he's put on too much weight. I feel like they've put too much on him. And he's already a very good athlete. But I wonder if he slimmed down a little bit. And, I mean, he's he just put on – he just looks heavy to me, right? And he's still extremely bouncy, quick. But I think he could be a little bit bouncier and a little bit quicker off his feet if he lost a, a little bit of weight. It just feels like they just, like I said, just put too much on him. But I do think that he can find a role as a first rounder. It's just the energy guy that rebounds, block shots, finishes at the dunker spot, defends multiple positions as far as like switching out. And I think there is a chance, but we'll see. All right, next question. Do you think this draft class can be as good as 2018, which featured Luka, Doncic, Trey Young, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jaron Jackson Jr.? 2018 was a really, really good class. It was a good class. And, and some of the guys like Jalen Brunson from that class have really, really exceeded their their expectations. This class, I mean, obviously it's, it's really early. It's, it's too hard to tell. I remember 2020, people thought 2020 was a weak class. And you have, I mean, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton have already made all-star teams. I think there's a chance Tyrese Maxey could join that list soon. So you just never know because, like I said, 2020 was considered a weak class. And this class is considered strong. It is because some people think it's top-heavy. I don't think there's, like, a huge wide range of difference between maybe picks five through 15 and then maybe 16 through 30 and 30 through 60. But this is, is going to be the norm because guys are, are so young and you're just, you're just really getting a small sample size of college basketball or even, you know, some of the other leagues, whether it's in Australia, G League, Overtime Elite, you're really getting about 30, 40 games max to evaluate some of these prospects. Um, but Honestly, I don't think it is as good as 2018 right now. What's crazy about 2018, the guys that you mentioned, you didn't even mention the top two picks. Uh, Aiton's, I mean, he's, he's a max player. He, he's been good, not great. Bagley is, 
it's been somewhat of a, a struggle for him with injuries and, and fit and all that. But this class, there's just a lot of unknowns. I mean, Victor is, I think, safe. I think Scoot is pretty safe. I think Brandon Miller is a pretty safe pick. I think the Thompson twins, there are some questions about them because overtime is so new. And, you know, a lot of people don't know about the adjustment and so on. But to answer your question, I don't think so. But, it, again, it's really early. All right, next question. Is there a difference between Jalen Wilson and Sadiq Bay? I get the similarities a little bit. Um, guys that can play a little bit of three and four, initiate the offense if you need them to, good passers. I think Bay was a better shooter at the same stage in his career. So I think that is the biggest difference is in a reduced role, which you know is likely to happen in the NBA, I think Bay shooting is the difference. But Wilson can rebound and, and um he can he can he does a lot of things well but I think the biggest concern for him is the shooting. All right, two more questions. Who from the twenty twenty two NBA draft regrets leaving school early? Three guys no four guys come to mind. Kennedy Chandler, JD Davison, Trevor Kills, and Kendall Brown. I think all of those guys would have definitely benefited in staying in school. You look at uh, Trevor Kills. I, I, he was the one that I just could not believe that he decided to leave. I didn't think that he had done enough to leave. And then same with J.D. Davison. Chose not to participate in the combine. Kills was on a two-way with the Knicks. I think they just signed him to a 10-day. They didn't renew it. So if I'm not mistaken, he's no longer on a two-way deal. So he's basically a free agent. And he's playing for the the Westchester Knicks have his rights. So by him not being on the two-way deal and he's just a G League player, I mean, he's not making a lot of money. And the season is, is pretty much down to, to the fourth quarter. So I think for him that was a mistake. J.D. Davidson's averaging about 13.7 assists per game, playing for Maine. I mean, imagine him at Arkansas. Not Arkansas. Imagine him at Alabama. I mean, they're already a, a pretty darn good team. But imagine him on that on that roster. Maybe they wouldn't have Jaden or Jalen Bradley if he was on the team. But still, I, I think that at least me personally, I think I'd rather be playing at Alabama, especially with the NIL money, than playing for Maine. But you know, maybe he just wanted to be a pro and didn't want to go to school. Kendall Brown. I mean, you got to think. Kendall Brown was a guy that a lot of people, including myself, had as a top ten pick. I think at one point I had him as high as number six. He was considered the better-rated prospect than his teammate Jeremy Sohan. And right now, I think Jeremy Sohan is averaging more points per game in the NBA than Kendall Brown is averaging in the G League for Fort Wayne. So I think if he could do it all over again, he probably would go back to Baylor. And Baylor would be in consideration as one of the top teams in the country. I mean, they already are, but maybe number one team in the country if they had Kendall Brown. So those are some of the names that come to mind. All right, last question is, does Chet Holmgren make the Thunder a contender next year considering how wide open the West is? So when I first saw this question, I'm like, a contender? No. Like, no. <laughs> He's a rookie. He's not going to make them a contender. It's the Thunder. But then if you really, really think about it, the question is not that bad. I mean, the West is pretty much wide open, and you expect the guys on OKC to, to make a jump next year as, as far as just – you know, getting better in their progression. The Thunder could actually make the play-in tournament 
this year. You give them a year of of the confidence that comes along with making the playoffs and that experience, and then you bring in Chet, who will provide size and defense and, and should be able to provide shooting. Even though he is going to be a rookie, he will have a little bit of an advantage on the other rookies in this class because he's had a chance to learn the NBA system, travel, and he's probably put on a little bit of weight. I mean, I haven't really seen him up close, just different video clips. So he does come with a, a little bit of an advantage. I don't know if it necessarily makes them a contender, but I, I do think that the Thunder are a team that should be able to compete for the 6th or 7th, 8th seed next season, depending on you know what happens over the summer and injuries and so on. But I do think that the Thunder should be a competitive playoff team, even more competitive than they are this year next season with Chet Holmgren. Well, that wraps up this episode of Mailbag Monday. Tune in tomorrow where I will have a guest. We were going to do another version of Prospect Pitch. The last one got rave reviews, so shout out to to Leaf Tulane. And hopefully we can duplicate that. So stay tuned tomorrow. We'll do Prospect Pitch. But thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Boy your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, you got to check out Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on the Locked On NBA channel, which is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow, and I am out.